evening. Please take your Bibles with me. We'll turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, Ephesians in chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one, and we'll begin reading together, beginning in verse number one. I'm thankful for this book of Ephesians. It's been a particular book that God has used in my life to really encourage me in the faith. And I'm praying tonight that the Lord would use it, use his word tonight to speak to each of our hearts. Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's just bow together in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to truly meet with us. And as I pray tonight, I want you to pray in your heart that the Lord would speak to you. Let us pray. Father, we come to thee, Lord, at this time. Lord, we thank thee for this privilege tonight that we have. We sit in this tent and Lord, we think about this amazing opportunity that we have to come into thy house. And Lord, we come to thy word. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would have hearts that are expectant, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight that your word would speak to us in a way in which we may not have been dealt with before. Or maybe, Lord, in a way in which thou desirest to speak to us. Father, we thank thee that thou art a God who desires to speak to us. Lord, we thank thee that thou hast not sealed thy mouth, but Lord, thou hast kept it open as we open your word. Lord, we know that this is thy word. I pray that you would give us a hope tonight, Lord, a hope that we would see Jesus. I pray, Father, that tonight that 
the one here who is in need of a savior, who is yet without Christ, would through thy word see what great redemption and salvation that there is in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray tonight for the one who is still doubting, who's not sure. Lord, who's sitting on the fence as it were. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would give them full assurance. I pray tonight that they would understand and know that their salvation is, in, is all in thee and in thy son, the Lord Jesus. Father, we ask that you would please speak to us now. Help us prepare us. Father, I pray that men and women tonight would forget the channel, seeing only him, thy son, the Lord Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. As we come tonight to this passage in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to bring your attention to a particular phrase that we find in verse number 3. The Bible says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Tonight I want to speak on the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm thankful for this book of Ephesians uh, this book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Ephesus. Oftentimes, many scholars have called the book of Ephesians the queen of epistles. They say that the book of Ephesians has such a particular way that it is written, that it speaks very directly and very uh, to the heart. And it deals with a few different things here that we find. But the key theme of Ephesians is set into two different Places, two different parts. Firstly, the first part is realization. And the second part we find is a conviction. And the key theme of Ephesians is unity that we find in Christ. That realization that I just spoke about is we understand when we read the book of Ephesians. In fact, it doesn't take the book of Ephesians for us to realize this, but the world that we live in today is a world that is very disunified. It's a world that is full of disunity wherever we look. We find that man is disunified with man and nations are disunified with nations. We find that oftentimes we're even disunified with our own selves. I wonder if you ever thought to yourself, there's times where you know you want to do good. And there's times where you know you want to do something that you shouldn't do. And there's a constant battle that is warring in the mind of each of us. A mindset that we want to do that which was good and at times we want to do that which was bad. And there's a constant disunity that we find in man from man to man and from different nation to nation and evil from good. You could say this, one person put it this way, but every man is a walking civil war. A walking civil war. We're constantly warring against our own self. There's a battle that is constantly raging in the minds of many people. Whether you're a believer here tonight or whether you're not a believer. Without Christ, there's a battle that is raging in the minds of each of us here tonight. But they say this, this book of Ephesians deals with the unity that we find in Christ. And I talked about realization is realizing that we live in a disunified world. But the conviction that we must have tonight is that Christ is that unity in all things. We must understand tonight that, yes, we live in a world that is disunified. Yes, we have these fleshly bodies that are so disunified and minds that are disunified. But there is a savior. There is a man 
Christ Jesus that is able to bring unity in all things. In fact, in in, in fact, you can find that summed up here in verse number 9 of chapter 1. The Bible says this, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. Verse number 10, That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And you could put it this way, if you've ever... Uh, cut a rope before. I, I remember oftentimes when we were, in fact, setting up different tents and marquees and during uh, our camp that we have, we often set up, set up these tents and you get these ropes and sometimes after a long use, the ropes begin to become a little bit frayed and each of the strands of the ropes begin to separate and, and set apart and and it can be a little bit annoying, especially when you have to feed it through the little holes and it's very difficult to do so. And one person put it like this, is when you think about the world, the disunity that we find in the world that we're living in today, is we're a bit like those strands of a rope that are all frayed apart and so different and so different ways and uh, different things that are happening. But as we think about this book of Ephesians, we see here, the Bible says that he might gather together in one all things in Christ. It's as, it's as if that strayed rope is being tied together. And knotted together. That's what we find here, the theme of this book of Ephesians. But as we think about the contextual side to this book of Ephesians, I want to, I want to speak on something particular that we find here about how Paul deals, the apostle Paul deals here with our faith and how it's brought together in Christ. Uh, we understand that salvation is more than just the forgiveness of sins. We understand that uh, when we are saved, when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that it doesn't just mean that my sins are forgiven, but it now means that I have a new life and I walk in a newness of life. The Bible deals with a few particular things, things here in chapter number one as we talk about the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ, we find that there are past, present and future blessings that we find in Christ. And by the Lord's help tonight, I want to speak on those past, present, and future blessings. Now look with me in verse number three. Before we look together at these uh, different blessings, I want to speak about what these spiritual blessings first are. Verse number three, the Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. I'm thankful when we come to these spiritual blessings, we understand that they come from the Father. These are spiritual blessings that we find from God Himself. They're not the, the things that we find in a sense from other believers or from other people or other places, but this is something that we find that is from God Himself. In fact, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful title. We find the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, who has blessed us. What else do we find in verse number three? That we must understand that these are spiritual blessings. That word spiritual, oftentimes we find that as Christians, we are so concerned with the physical blessings in life. We're so concerned with that which is physical and that which applies to this current world that we're living in today. And you find that often people are asking or praying or, or trying to tell other people about physical blessings. But we find that the, the blessings that are spoken about here are spiritual 
blessings. Those things that are spiritual, that are from God. We must understand that they're not physical blessings. We understand that they're from God the Father. But we also understand this. It says, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I'm thankful that expression in Christ. I know that recently uh, Pastor Morland has been doing a, a series on in Christ. And there's so much that we find that as a believer that we find in Christ. And these spiritual blessings, they are for those who are in Christ. I wonder tonight as that expression is mentioned here, is that speaking about you? I wonder tonight if you can say that you know that you are in Christ. I don't, I'm not asking if you know about him tonight. I'm not asking if you've heard about him tonight, but I'm asking tonight, are you in Christ? And these are these spiritual blessings that we find here. But the first one we see here is in verse number five. And the Bible says here in verse number five, this is the past as the three different things we're looking at here, the past of these spiritual blessings. Verse number five, the Bible says this, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And as we look at this, point here and the bible says this having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons now that word predestinated there's a lot of different things that we could speak about here tonight but i want to focus particularly on the phrase that is mentioned just after it says unto the adoption of children this is such a wonderful thought and you think about it such a wonderful thought to know that we are children of god Today, as we were doing the Sunday school in the Sunday school class, one of the children said, we were talking about how we know the, the God, God's word is true and real. And uh, I, we, we began to talk about prophecy. And I said, there's one prophecy that we should know that we're certain about. And I said to them, what, what is that? And they said that Jesus is coming back. And I said, yes, that's right. And I said, why is he coming back? And one of the Sunday school children said, well, he's coming back to save us. And I said to him, I said, well... He's not coming back to save us because if you are a child of God, if you know the Lord Jesus as your savior, then you're already saved. I said, you are already right with God. And uh, as we think about this, the Bible says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. This is such a wonderful thought to know that we are the children of God, to know that we are adopted in a sense. When you think about that, an adopted child, we weren't a child because we were by blood, but we're a child because we were adopted, brought in, you can say. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about uh, a few other verses that we find talking about this Romans and chapter number eight. The Bible talks about they're the same about uh, adoption as well. Look with me in Romans and chapter number eight, a very familiar portion of scripture. But the Bible says Romans chapter eight and verse number 15. Let's read verse number 14. The Bible says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Continues to say this, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's such a wonderful thing tonight. If you are here tonight and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, then this applies to you. This is the verse for you tonight. It's saying here that you have received the spirit of adoption. 
whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. This is such a wonderful thing to know that the, the predestined to the adoption of children means that we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to cry out unto God, Abba, Father. I wonder tonight, how often do we take that access and that privilege that we have? How often do we take time to pray and seek God as we should? It continues to say in verse number 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. This is such a wonderful passage dealing with the fact that as a Christian, the Bible tells us as one who knows the Lord Jesus, that you have been now adopted into that family of Christ. You have the opportunity to cry out unto him, Abba, Father. And the Bible says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God. But not only do we find it mentioned here, dealing with adoption and being a child of God. Look also with me in Galatians in chapter number four. We find just before our text in Galatians in chapter number four, the Bible also talks about here in verse number one. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Listen to this, verse number three. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God have sent forth the spirit of his sons into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Listen, Christian, if you're a Christian here tonight and you know the Lord Jesus as your savior, then the Bible says this, that you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And you think about what's happening today and you look at so many Christians today and they don't act this way. They're not living as if they are the sons of God or have been adopted into the family of Christ. And so many people are worried and afraid and they're not too sure what's going to happen. But if you know that he is your father, then we don't have anything to fear about. If you know that you are a child of God, then we, not, we ought not to live in fear. Romans chapter eight, he has not given us the spirit of bondage. That's what the word of God tells us. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You see, it's amazing what God has done. The spiritual blessing that we find is that we become a child of God. We become an heir of God. It's wonderful. Look back. In fact, before we go back to our passage, there's one more passage that I want to talk about. Isaiah in chapter 43. I love this passage. One of my favorite portions of scripture. Isaiah in chapter 43. And just listen to the words we find here. Verse number one. But now thus saith the Lord. These are the words of God. That created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. 
I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Verse number three. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou was precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. What wonderful, precious words that we find. These are for you, child of God. This is God speaking. And he says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I've called thee by name. Thou art mine. Why are you worried? Why are you so afraid? And so concerned about what's going to happen. If God's my father, then I don't have anything to worry about. If God's the one who's taking care of me, why should I be so worried about what's happening in the world today? Why should I be so concerned about this thing and that thing when I know that I am a child of God? Even not only does he say that I've redeemed thee and called thee by name and that we are his, but he even says when you pass through the waters, there are going to be times when we pass through the waters. There are going to be times when it seems as if the rivers will overflow, but God says they shall not overflow thee. There are going to be times where you feel as if you're going through a fire. You're going through such heat and, and torment and difficulty. And you say, I just don't know what to do. He says, thou shalt not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Because I am the Lord thy God. He's thy Lord. When are we going to get up and start believing he's my God? That's my God. The God whom I believe in, the God in whom I trust, the God who I know he's going to take care of me. And I don't have to fear because he's my God. When are we going to start believing? And not only this, I love verse number four. This is one of my most favorite verses in all of God's word. It says, since thou was precious in my sight. That God would say that about such vile, wretched unclean sinner as I. And God looks down and he says, you're precious in my sight. Such wonderful words. He said, I've loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, child, for I am with thee. God says, fear not. Fear not. I feel like that needs to be the theme of our lives. Fear not. But this is happening and things are so difficult. Have you not seen what the government's trying to do? Have you not seen what this and that person's trying to do? God says two words. 
Fear not. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I've created him for my glory. He knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. He knows. He knows what's coming next. And believe me, it may not be easier than what's happening now, but don't worry. He knows. So fear not. It's such a wonderful, wonderful thing that we find. Look back with me in our text. Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. And that next phrase, by Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that my adoption is by Jesus Christ. Not by anything else. Not by myself. It wasn't that I was standing there and I dressed myself up nicely and cleaned myself up. And God says, okay, Sure, you've made it. No, that's not what God did. It was because of Jesus that I'm saved. It's because of what Christ did that I'm a Christian. By Jesus Christ, not because you prayed a prayer and you just said it really good and you said the right words. You're saved because the Holy Spirit convinced you that you're a sinner and he showed you the Savior. John Newton puts it very well. He says, though my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and he is a great savior. Though, If that's the only things that we ever remembered in life, we'd be okay. If that's all we ever remembered, say we begin to lose our memory, don't forget those two things. I'm a great sinner, but he is a great savior. I'm thankful also, the Bible says this, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, to himself. See, some people say this, that from verse number three to verse number 14, it's all one verse. It's not multiple verses, but in fact, the, the, uh, the verses are not inspired in a sense. But they say that it's all, all one. So this is God speaking. And he says this in verse number, verse number five, by Jesus Christ to himself. God is saying, I've saved you for myself to him. For his good pleasure. According to his work. Sometimes as Christians, we get it mistaken and we think that uh, all of this is for us. All of this is for me. What can I get out of this? But you're saved for him. For his glory. For his purpose. For his work. That's why he saved us. That's why he's adopted us according to the good pleasure of his will. That's why he saved you. Some people think God saved us because we were born in a Christian home. Well, God saved me because I was a good person. I did well. He saved me because I've got a lot to give him. Don't ever get mistaken and think that's why God saved you. The Bible says this, according to the good pleasure of his will. Because it pleased him. Matthew chapter 11 Helps us to understand this also. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26. The Bible says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. That's why. Because it seemed good in God's sight. Well, why Oh, why God would save a sinner like me, I don't know. But it seemed good in his sight. We find our salvation is 
for God and for the glory of His grace. Verse number six, the Bible says, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. You see, He's, He saved us for the glory of His grace. The grace of God. That's why he saved you, so that you can be a temple of the Holy Ghost and you also can be a representative, an ambassador of the grace of God. Your life shouldn't be, look what I've done. Your life should be, look what God has done. That's why he saved you. That's why I'm a child of God. But I love this next phrase, verse number six, and made us accepted. In the beloved. This is such a beautiful thought. Every time I read this verse or this passage, this particular phrase, accepted in the beloved, I can't help but think of the book of Ruth. And such a, uh, a great book in God's word, the book of Ruth, Old Testament book of Ruth. And I won't turn there for sake of time. But in the book of Ruth, she was, she came from such a poor family that she had to be a gleaner on the field of one man Boaz. Now a gleaner was one who was different to a reaper. A reaper was one who collected the the harvest. They did the work in collecting the harvest and bringing it together. But a gleaner, the responsibility of a gleaner, in fact, was to pick up the leftovers, the bits that were left behind, the crumbs, you could say. They weren't very well regarded. In fact, What used to happen during those times, the gleaners and the reapers wouldn't sit together. There would be separate places, a place for the gleaners and the place for the reapers. You know what happens in the book of Ruth? Boaz, the type of Christ, the kinsman redeemer, he brings that poor woman, Ruth, and he brings her and he sets her next to the gleaners. And it's like in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says how we can be one in Christ. The Bible says here in verse number, verse number 8, verse number 6, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why is that so wonderful that we become accepted in the beloved? Because it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how poor you might be, how untalented you might be, how hard of a person you think you might be, how difficult you think you might be. You might be one tonight and you say, I just struggle so much. You don't realize how much I doubt I'm not like these other Christians who seem to get everything right. But God says that he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's made us accepted in the beloved. We are made one in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful truth that is. And this is such wonderful things that we find. That's just the first spiritual blessing that we find in Christ Jesus. And there's so much just in that alone. If you're a child of God tonight, all that I just said, that applies to you. That applies to you. That applies to me tonight. I'm thankful for that. And then we find... Secondly, I won't take too much time, but present, our present blessing. You see, we have the past blessing, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself. But our present blessing, verse number seven, the Bible says, in whom we have 
redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We see here this blessing of being redeemed. Now, we have to be careful not to overlook this. Oftentimes we say, yeah, I'm redeemed. We say, what does that mean? Let's look at what does that mean? The fact that I'm redeemed tonight as a Christian. I am one who has been brought back. That word redemption, the word redeem simply means to be brought back. And that's redeemed to himself. It is possible. Now, when I was looking at this, it is very possible for God to use us for his glory. But choose not to forgive our sins. You know, that was something that could have been possible. It could have happened that God says, I'm going to use you, but I'll choose not to forgive your sins. Or you, he could say this, I'm going to, to use you and, and you, you can, you can be with me in my place, but I'm not going to forgive your sins. I'm not going to treat you like everybody else, but you're going to be noticeably different. But that's not what God did. He could have done that and he would still have been God and he would have still have been righteous and holy and right to do that. But the Bible says that he he have given us a redemption through his blood. He buys us back so that we could be seen as accepted and forgiven, just like this phrase accepted in the beloved. But it says in whom we have redemption through his blood. Now, often there was there's something known as a royal pardon and a royal pardon was the privilege that a monarch had either the king or the queen had the privilege or the opportunity to grant a pardon to somebody who was guilty who was guilty of maybe the death sentence somebody who had done a crime and they deserved to be punished for this crime but a royal pardon was the opportunity for that monarch to be able to stamp on whatever they were guilty of, whatever they had done wrong, and stamp the words pardoned. And when we think about this word, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins, that's exactly what God has done for you. And what he's done is he has pardoned every iniquity, every sin that we've ever committed, every sin that we've ever going to commit, God has forgiven. He has pardoned us. He has made us right with God. That's the redemption that we have. That's what it means to be brought back because the truth is, if we're sinful and if we are still sinful and still unrighteous, then we can never be brought back to God. A sin sinner in a sense could not stand in the presence of God like that. But because we have been made clean, because our sins have been forgiven, then we can have the forgiveness of sins. Then we can be redeemed and brought back to God. But as we look at the redemption here, just a few things I want to point out. The Bible says here that our redemption is all of God through Jesus. The Bible says in verse number seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood. I'm thankful that it's through Jesus. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God because of Jesus's blood, because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, the Bible tells us, of when God sent his only begotten son into the world and he sent his son to die upon the cross so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be brought back to God because the sinless lamb of God shed his blood. We know that it was through his blood 
the forgiveness of sins. But it was only through his blood. You see, that verse could not have been written any other way. It couldn't have said in whom we have redemption through our own blood or whom we have redemption through anybody else's blood. It had to be very specific. And it was his blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could put it like this. The word redemption means to be brought back. And I can say this, that I am brought back to God because the price for my sins has been paid by the almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what redemption means. That I have been brought back to God because my sins have been paid for. If you're a Christian tonight, you're redeemed. But don't overlook that. That is such a wonderful thing to have your sins forgiven. God could have chose not to forgive your sins and still have you, but he could have chosen not to forgive your sins, but he did. Why? According to the riches of his grace. Our redemption means that we are clean and that we are made new. You're new because of what Christ has done. My old life has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're redeemed. It's like you've been given a second chance. It's not like you've been given a second chance. You have been given a second chance. That's what it means to be redeemed. In fact, God gives us more than second chances. His grace is sufficient. We know that. His grace is more than sufficient than, for than anything that we've done. And then finally, we find this last blessing, last spiritual blessing that we find here that I'm going to speak about. It's not the last spiritual blessing that there is from Christ, but it's the last one that I'm going to speak on tonight. Found in verse number 11. The Bible says this, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. This last blessing that we find is that we have obtained an inheritance. This is dealing with future. We looked at the past and how he has predestinated us unto the adoption of children. We looked at the present and how we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace and this future blessing. Something that we have to look forward to is we have obtained an inheritance. An inheritance is something in which we have received either by succession or donation. It's either something that has been passed down to you or something that somebody has desired to give unto you. If you write a will in your will, you write down who you want your inheritance to be passed down to. And we see that as a Christian, as a believer, as a child of God, we have obtained an inheritance. You say, what is this inheritance? We find it spoken of more throughout scripture, but I want to particularly uh, speak about the place where we find it in 1 Peter. 1 Peter in chapter number 1. As we see this inheritance. One Peter chapter number one and verse, we'll read from verse number one. The Bible says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His 
abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Now watch this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. We see this mentioned here, this inheritance. It's dealing with something that we have to look forward to. And yes, in a sense, this is talking about a heaven. This is talking about looking forward to glory. One day when we breathe our final breath to be in the presence of God himself. But not just the place of heaven. It's not all because it's a place that is perfect. That's not why there's a beautiful hymn that we had at mine and Lucy's wedding. And the last one of the verses, in fact, there's a, the sands of time is sinking. That's the name of the hymn. And such a beautiful hymn. One of, one of our favorite hymns has become quite dear to both of us. But there's a, a phrase that is mentioned in that hymn. And it says this. It says, the lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. You say, what is our inheritance? Jesus. That's our inheritance. Jesus Christ. What do we have to look forward to? To behold him face to face. Face to face with Christ my Savior. What a day that will be. Something we have to look forward to. Don't be so worried about everything that is happening on this world. Don't be so afraid and so caught up because one day all of that shall pass. One day we won't have to fear. We won't have to worry. We don't have to become tired and discouraged. We don't ever have to have these doubts and difficulties because one day we have an inheritance. And the Bible talks about this inheritance and it says that it's one that is incorruptible. I love that. It means it cannot be destroyed. And why is that? Why can this inheritance never be destroyed? Because it's obtained by an incorruptible savior. That's why it's incorruptible. Because it was never obtained by a corruptible person. It wasn't obtained by us, but it was obtained by an incorruptible savior. And it was obtained by his incorruptible blood. Bible also says that it's an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. That word undefiled means 100% pure. That inheritance, it's 100% pure. Why? Because Jesus is 100% pure. He is the spotless Lamb of God, without blemish, without spot, without any sin. The perfect, spotless, righteous Lamb of God. That excites me that one day I'm going to see him. That one day I'm going to be with him, with Jesus Christ. That should excite you tonight. That one day you'll be with him. But if you're not a child of God, if you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, if you're still rejecting him, then one day you will not walk with him. And what a sad thing. That is, that should break the hearts of Christians that there are so many men and women that will not receive this. There are so many out there that will not partake of this. Unless we go and tell them about the Lord Jesus. We tell them about all the blessings that there is 
in Christ. So many people today are talking about all the other problems of life and they've stopped talking about Jesus. But the truth is, Christians should be talking about Jesus. That's what we should be talking about. You hear it all the time, well, oh, this COVID is this and that is this and this is that. And the devil this and the devil that. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Christ. Edify one another in the things of the Lord. Edify each other about Jesus Christ. It's an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away. Sometimes we're a bit like a balloon. And what I mean when I say that is a balloon that hasn't been tied yet. It's full of air and after maybe you have a bit of a, a zeal you might have and you're, you're full of zeal and you want to go out and you want to do something. And you say, I want to do this. Maybe after a meeting, you feel so uh, just on fire and you want to do something for the Lord. But eventually that balloon, the air releases and it gets smaller and smaller. And eventually you don't really want to do anything at all. And you start complaining and talking about all the things that are difficult and all the things that are hard and, and then you get caught up. But that's not what our inheritance is like. The Bible says it fadeth not away. It cannot come to nothing. Why? Because it's forever settled. It fadeth not away. It's not going to be a promise that people make and it never, never happens. People making promises all the time and they say, Oh, I'll do this for you on this day or I'll, I'll go there and, and if you need me, I'll be available. And then when it comes to asking them, they're nowhere to be found. But that's not what this promise is. It fadeth not away. And finally, it says, reserved in heaven for you. I like that. Reserved in heaven. That means I can't do anything to affect it. I can't touch it. I can't revoke that. If I'm a Christian and a child of God, it's reserved in heaven. Because God is the one who reserved it for me. If you've ever been to a wedding, I've never been to a wedding where I've got a reserved seat. Well, actually, I think my own wedding. That was probably the only wedding that I got a reserved seat. But when you get a reserved seat, you feel so privileged and you feel so, so blessed. Well, there's so much more. The fact that we have a place reserved for us in heaven. Amen. Christian tonight, there's a place reserved for Praise you. Rejoice. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. There's a place reserved for you. God holds our place, not you. You never reserved it. He reserved it. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And finally, and I'll close with this. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. You say, how do I know? How, how do I know all of this is really what it says, well, because it's in God's word, but also I'm thankful that not only has God given us spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but he's also given us something else. And this is something that we should be so grateful for. Verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. You see, what is the earnest of our inheritance? 
the Holy Spirit of God. That is. He's given us that. And the Bible says sealed. I love that. Sealed. Cannot be opened. Cannot be, in a sense, taken away. But it's sealed. We are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Child of God, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When God promises, His promises are yea and amen. Those are God's promises. Jesus is our inheritance. And what an inheritance we have to look forward to. That's amazing. That's incredible. And don't just wait until we get to heaven. I'm thankful because the Holy Spirit is really that inheritance now, isn't it? It's Jesus now that we get to partake of, that we get to know, and that we get to receive. I'm thankful. He didn't just say, wait till heaven. But you can have Christ now. But when we get to heaven, it will be the fullness of him. The Lamb of God. The glory that we find. I'm thankful for these spiritual blessings that we find in Christ Jesus. We must remember that. That they can never be found outside of him. They are always and only, exclusively in Christ. If you're a Christian, they're, they're for you tonight. But if you're without Christ, then they're not. Come to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus for the praise and the glory and the honor of his name. May the Lord be glorified in all of this. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for so much, Lord. Lord, we could not stop praising thee for all that thou hast done. And Lord, we look at just the small passage and portion of scripture. And yet, Lord, there is so much more that we have not yet spoken about. There is so much more that we have not yet seen and we have not yet heard about. And Father, we do pray that you would please help us, Lord. Father, give us a hope. Remove the fear. And Lord, we know that as you spoke those words in Isaiah 43, for thou was precious in my sight. Oh God, how you would say that to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us never to forget these things. Not to dwell on that which is bad, but Father, to dwell on those things that brings the glory and honor to thy name. The things that encourage us to press on. The things that would help us to go forward in life. The things that help us to realize that if God be for us, nothing can be against us. Lord, help us to realize that that we're adopted into thy family. Lord, that we can cry those words, Abba, Father. Help us, Lord, we ask. We need thee, for without thee we can do nothing. We praise thee for thy goodness. We thank thee, Lord, for meeting with us here tonight. We ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake.